0: Welcome to Power Up, a podcast show hosted by Maurizio Di Paolo Emilio that brings life to some of the stories on Power Electronics technologies and products featured on powerelectronicsnews.com and through other as Media Publications. In this show, you'll hear both engineers and executives discuss news, challenges, and opportunities for power electronics in markets such as automotive, industrial and consumer. Here is your host, editor-in-chief of PowerElectronicsNews.com and EEweb.com, Maurizio Di Paolo Emilia.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to this new episode of Power Up. Today I would like to tell you my experience at APEC, APEC 2023. It was great with a lot of news and power design aspects about wideband gap semiconductors, power supply, electric vehicles with new onboard and inverters solutions, silicon carbide and GAN-based solutions, renewable energy, and so on. Academia and industry are working together to improve the devices. A silicon solution that extracts the DC directly from AC means without the use of transformers, rectifier bridges, or filtering, but not only. GAN for motor control, fast chargers, improvements on packaging, cinema verbide simulator, new 800 volt onboard board charger reference design and 900 volt gain flyback switcher integrated circuits. In this podcast I reported the voice of some industry leaders during APEC. I discussed how APEC is going and the challenges for power design in different aspects. In this podcast you will hear the voices of the following speakers. Bruce Renoir, CEO of pre-switch, Victor Veliadis, Executive Director and CTO of Power America and Professor in Electrical Engineering at North Carolina State University, Ilya Bunin, Product Manager and Technical Sales at VISIC, Andrea Bricconi, Chief Commercial Officer at Cambridge Can Devices, Kanan Soundarapandian, Vice President and General Manager, High Voltage Products at Texas Instruments, Satya Dixit, board member and advisor at Future Semiconductor Business, FSB, Vernon Rogers, EVP Sales and Marketing at AR Test Systems, and Brad Lemon, professor at Northeastern University and president of IEEE Power Electronics Society. Let's listen to some voices of APEC 2023. Hi Bruce, how are you? I'm doing great. It's nice to see you, Maurizio. Nice to see you. So, how is going APEC? Which are your uh, expectations from this uh, Power Electronics event?
2: Thanks for having me on your, on your podcast. As for APEC, I am pleased with the increasing awareness in the United States for the need for efficient power conversion and management. This is resulting in new interest into what we are doing to lead high-efficiency, high-power inverters. Engineers are understanding that to lead in efficiency, you simply can't throw more silicon carbide dye into the same architecture that everybody else is using. This game will only be won if OEMs can buy the largest largest discounts. For us, the new CleanWave 2, it's the new algorithm, and that's what gets us a peak efficiency of 99.57% and still delivers ninety eight point five percent efficiency at low load, and this is quite outstanding now, keep in mind that those efficiencies are measured with our switching frequency being at one hundred kilohertz, which is almost an order of magnitude higher than where the industry is today and that one hundred megahertz excuse me one hundred kilohertz improves motor efficiency by reducing iron losses that cause uh, that cause motors to heat up so being at great being at APEC is great to see
1: the other leaders in our industry so i'm enjoying myself being here so we have new new designs in uh, all power conversion including uh, uh, acdc dcdc uh, converters uh, that are using wide band gap uh, semiconductors in particular silicon carbide uh, devices so for example, inverters for electric vehicles is another application. So you are using single carbide FETS cascoded by United Silicon Carbide uh, now Corvo, with AI. So you were able to achieve uh, system efficiency about uh, 993 maybe more, uh, percent at uh, 100 kilohertz. So what research and development uh, processes are behind your product? Well, I need to correct
2: you. Um, we're really right now approximately uh, 99. percent 5 6% efficiency at 100 kilohertz. But as you may remember, I ran global sales for Cree when Cree, which is now Wolfspeed, introduced the world's first silicon carbide MOSFET. So I'm an early proponent of silicon carbide and believe that it'll continue to improve efficiencies in many of the world's applications. But what's best for the power industry is that it has to be measured at the system level, which means that it includes cost, reliability, and the availability to customers, for, among other considerations, silicon carbide solutions are higher cost than silicon IGBT competition. But for inverters, they can yield approximately five to seven percent more range than IGBTs. This range translates to reduced battery costs, which are which more than offset the added cost of silicon carbide. So, the higher the silicon carbide costs are. Um, are made up by the battery cost savings and some cooling savings. Now, there are other non-battery applications that can't recuperate the battery savings, um, which are not suitable for silicon carbide, but they are suitable for IGBTs. So, And then consider that EVs, um, today are still only using, half of them are using silicon carbide, and half of them using IGBTs. So, as the cost difference between silicon carbide and IGBTs gets closer, um, more of the market will convert to silicon carbide. Uh, the key takeaway is that pre-switch is silicon carbide device agnostic. We initially developed our Preflex AI algorithm for silicon carbide, excuse me, for IGBT six years ago. But since then, we've been focused on using silicon carbide uh, since 2018 due to our customer requests. The pre-switch engineers chose the Corvo silicon carbide cast code. For for our reference design, because they offered very low RDS-on solutions in discrete TO247 packages, and we liked the challenge of making the Corvo parts soft switch at 800-volt applications. Truthfully, we really didn't need to do anything special to take care of the Costco, the Corvo CAS codes other
1: than work on careful layout. So in terms of uh, <clears throat> wide band gap uh, technologies in general, <clears throat> so from, from your point of view, which are the next steps that the market would uh, require, mm, silicon carbide, but also a look in terms of gallium and uh, nitride. As the industry is moving uh, from internal combustion engine to electric vehicles, <clears throat> So the adoption of new uh, solutions will uh, will talk in terms of efficiency, uh, offer longer range, faster charging uh, in terms of uh, powertrain and electric vehicles. So maybe uh, we need uh, improvements in terms of similar by the substrates with the high quality similar by substrates. What sort of improvements does the current technology need? The approach of uh, uh, two semiconductor fabrication and packaging uh, for sure will play an important rule in terms of reliability? Well, there's an expression in markets
2: that high prices solve high prices. And what that means is that the high price of silicon carbide today uh, will encourage new investments and in new market entrants, uh, which will simplify designs, reduce for driver costs, solve the silicon carbide, surge current limitations, and bring more uh, suppliers in that can deliver starting materials. So, our industry is filled with a lot of smart and innovative people, and governments around the world are now looking at silicon carbide as a strategic and foundational industry. Today's design complexity will be tomorrow's commodity, which is why pre-switch is focused on using our new resources to develop tools and reference designs to simplify our adoption of soft switching technology. In the old days, power was very analog, but today's younger design engineers are more comfortable using digital control to manage and control power. Pre-switch is at the leading edge of using complex algorithms to precisely control an architecture that is difficult to control and manage edge speeds so we've taken it from the very basics to a very advanced tools um, and now can deliver better efficiency with better system feedback predictive maintenance and many other features
1: my last one what's next challenges from your uh, uh, products Wow okay this is
2: so much more to do in fact Pre-switch is artificially limiting ourselves to the automotive market because it has the highest cost of energy and a relatively small number of customers doing the same thing. In reality, this technology scales very well to other applications needing more than 400 volts and can possibly be scaled down to applications needing only a kilowatt of power if we had semiconductor integration for our product. We simply don't have the resources to take those markets on today and are starting to explore ways to partner with other semiconductor companies at some level to get there, but to answer your question, uh, we need to expand our uh, our Clean Wave 2. Uh, right now, even though we're getting 99.56% peak efficiency, that's only a 30 degree delta between the coolant temperature and our device temperatures. So there's a lot more power that we can get out of that, and consider we're already at 200 kilowatts per liter power density. Then we need to ramp our design support and fill out more, EI and file more IP and what we've already invented, and uh, improve our tool set, expand our team, build more reference designs, uh, what I can say is this, Maurizio, the future is bright for all of us in the power market. Please have your followers in the automotive market or the variable frequency drive market contact us if they're interested in understanding how we can enable their products to be differentiated by efficiency. We at PreSwitch have a lot going on for us, and we're really proud of what we've accomplished so far, and we're ready to take on more. So thanks for having us on your podcast. Thank
1: you, Bruce.
3: Hi, Victor. How are you? Uh, doing very well, it's very nice to see you at APEC Maurizio.
1: Yeah, nice uh, nice to see you again. How is going APEC? You did the talk uh, about uh, silicon carbide at the plenary
3: session. Yes, yes, I did. I kind of pointed out that uh, silicon carbide is moving toward larger area devices and there are a lot of innovations in the way the wafers are being made, the economy of scale, uh, the way the fabrication is being done. Uh, A lot of the silicon-silicon carbide combined uh, fabrication is helping reduce costs. And of course, the same thing is happening at the module level. So you have all the ingredients, um, you know, for going into the system level. Now, with respect to the system level, uh, it's the high frequency operation, both for GAN and silicon carbide, uh, that helps reduce the, um, the weight and the volume of the passive components. So overall, you will pay more for the semiconductor device, for the silicon carbide device, uh, but in the end, at the system level, the overall system cost can be very competitive uh, with silicon because of all those uh, simplifications uh, that are an outcome of being able to operate efficiently at high frequencies. So it's
1: time, as uh, as you say, this time for silicon carbide for electric vehicles for um, renewable energy in uh, in general, but last time Tesla uh, did announce uh, the reduction of of CILIUM ARBITE, so what do you think? For me, I guess, without wideband gap technologies, we can't uh, have uh, uh, electric vehicles revolution.
3: Yeah, so so there, there was very little that was disclosed in that statement. Uh, I think if I remember well, the one thing that was said is it's going to be for a smaller motor. So if you have a you know, a smaller motor made maybe for European cities that are very dense and it's stop-and-go traffic or for Asia, and that motor is 50% smaller, then uh, the need for silicon carbide devices will go down proportionally. The second thing that might be at play here is when uh, Tesla first introduced silicon carbide into their vehicles, it was almost five years ago, I think 2017, 2018. And silicon carbide from STMicroelectronics as well as other, um, you know, manufacturers has gone to newer generations, uh, which means what? You have low resistance, so you're able to get more current out of the same device. So you, you're you able to meet your current requirements with smaller devices with less silicon carbide material. So that might be at play as well. And I also think that, you know, this vehicle is kind of a very base type of vehicle for people who wouldn't be able to afford the more expensive higher-end models. So in that way, you're not reducing, but you're creating another market segment. And it's a market segment for people who wouldn't normally buy an electric car due to the cost and the compromise is you have a smaller engine. And perhaps there's going to be a mix of silicon carbide and silicon. And the way that works is if you look at the driving cycle of of a typical vehicle, I think 90%. To 95 percent of the time, you're only using 30 percent of the power because you're at you know at stop and go, um, you're you're basically coasting. Where you really need to have the full power of your motor is when you're accelerating, and that's a small percentage of the driving cycle. So there's a lot of work out there that shows that you can build a topology that combines silicon carbide and silicon. You use the silicon carbide the vast majority, 90% of the time, where you don't need a lot of power. So you have a very efficient uh, source for that. But when you get to the high powers, then you're bringing in the silicon IGBTs that are a lot cheaper. So what is the outcome of that? The outcome of that is that you can reduce the silicon carbide material content bring the cost down because silicon IGBTs, of course, are a lot cheaper. And at the same time, you're not really compromising much. You're compromising to a certain extent, you know, the amount of range, right? Uh, Because now you have silicon that will consume more. But overall, it's a very elegant solution. Again, uh, I think it's a solution that will open up electric vehicles to the masses. So then in addition to your regular market for the bigger vehicles, now you're going to have all these other people coming in. And I think it's a competition with some European companies like Volkswagen. They make smaller cars. And, you know, Tesla needs to... Yeah, BMW is the really small uh, electric vehicle. And Tesla probably wants to compete in that market segment as well. And that's a very good way to do it. Uh, um, And again, I want to point out that these are assumptions, right? I think the only thing that was clearly stated in that uh, statement that Tesla made is that it's going to be a vehicle only on a certain type of vehicle, not their upper-end models, and it's going to be a vehicle with lower um, motor uh, you know, power, so to speak. That's what I understood from that. Thank you, Victor. Enjoy Epic. Absolutely. It was very nice seeing you, and uh, see you around. Take care.
1: Hi, Elia. How are you?
3: I am quite fine. Thank you. So
1: good, good to, to see you. How is going, Epic?
0: Ah, it's 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 quite busy. It's much better than uh, last year. A lot of uh, new traffic. We see a lot of interest uh, both from the research and academy, and also from our industry partners and customers. Definitely, this year uh, we have a lot of interest based on our publications. And uh, Tamara did the planetary session, which was very successful. And, uh, Definitely, a lot of interest in the automotive industry.
1: Yeah, you you have the the D3 GAN technology. So according to your website, that would offer better switching performance than Cascode topologies and better robustness, that enhancement mode devices. So, what research development process are behind your your product? What part did innovation play in the growth of your business and the GAN technology?
0: Yes, so when we design our products, we specifically looked at the uh, targets, application and market. So that means we want to parallel devices, we want to have very low conduction losses and we want to operate at high temperatures. And that means that uh, while we need to have very reliable device, and that means using a D-mode gate structure, while at the same time, Uh, We did not want to integrate the driver inside because we need to parallel uh, devices. That means that in the application perspective, we design our product specifically to be able to be uh, integrated either on a cold plate or on a PCB in such a way that, first, you have very low thermal resistance, and secondly, you have very low uh, inductances both in the power and gate loops. And this is where we focus our research on, both on the package level and on the die level.
1: So now we are living in uh, electrification of everything. So that is driving the need for higher uh, power, high levels. Uh, designers of electric vehicles, renewable energy and other systems can benefit from wide-band gap, in particular from GAN, for your point of view. What GAN can offer to electric vehicles, also in comparison with silicon carbide?
0: So, the promise of GAN in electric vehicles, and particularly in the application that require large die areas such as motor inverters and high currents, is first of all cost. Gallium nitrate can be manufactured uh, much more efficiently than silicon carbide. And in the end, that will always come down to price. If you use the same fab uh, uh, space area for gallium nitrate manufacturing, for lateral gallium nitrate manufacturing on silicon, Versus uh, uh, silicon carbide on silicon carbide, gallium nitride will always have uh, much much more devices that are being produced and that will always bring lower prices. So in volume produ- in, in volume production. Thank
1: you. So last uh, last one, uh, Ilya, what uh, are the next step
0: for your uh, technology for for Gen? So we are planning to release uh, power modules, average power modules to the automotive industry, targeting uh, module sintering on coal plates and laser welding on the power terminals. This will be the first step that our customers will use as an evaluation tool for their uh, motor systems. And uh, the second step this year, we'll also showcase to select customers our second generation uh, die as well as second generation power modules with even better performance than what we're able to achieve today. And this will be uh, really the stepping stone uh, to what we believe will be a revolution that was done uh, by silicon carbide versus IGBT. We plan to do the same uh, to silicon carbide. Thank you, Elia. Thank you very much, Maurizio.
1: Andrea, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Maurizio. So we
4: are at APEC. How is going? epic is great and we see the recover after the covid how many people attended the show today and in the in the previous days and also for for our company cgd there was a, an incredible amount of attention so many people came to the booth to see the latest solutions that we are presented to the market and so far so good looking forward to see further Uh, speakers and and talks uh, over the course of the the afternoon, but I would say EPEC is getting really uh, bigger and bigger.
1: Good. So there is uh, a lot of demand for more efficient solution, more efficient production of energy with the climate change goals that that we need to to take uh, in mind. As a part of that, uh, the semiconductor industry is investing uh, Has invested billion billion in wideband gap technologies. GaN uh, power devices, uh, as uh, as you know, have uh, significant advantages over silicon. Which is your contribution in GaN? Which markets are you investing? So Cambridge GaN devices or CGD um,
4: came to the market relatively um, recently. Uh, by bringing innovation in the way we exploit the lateral nature of gallium nitride transistors. So, we have um, a proprietary technology which enabled the integration, monolithic integration, on our E mode 650 volts gun of several um, ICs, so logic, to deliver a different set of functions. Primarily, uh, we are uh, somehow addressing one of the issues that e-mode GAN have always had, which is some um, difficulty in driving them, requiring driving circuits or uh, somehow optimized gate driver. We have brought all this complexity into the gun transistor in the form of a, a, a different set of ICs. Uh, therefore, uh, our customers are experiencing now a very easy of use in, in driving our parts, uh, basically like a MOSFET that can drive uh, IC GAN, our technology, um, with a standard gate driver or a controller with sufficient um, driving capability for low power applications uh, and no driving circuits in between. Um, and that helps a lot because basically we have achieved, uh, I would say, industry first in a number of um, domains so we have three, vol- 3 volts threshold voltage on our emote gun and our gate can be driven up to 20 volts. Um, we basically can turn off our transistors at zero volts thanks to something that is an industry first so they integrate the integrated Miller clamp all in one chip. So we are bringing a certain level of integration that is basically helping both on the ease of use and in further enhancing the robustness and the ruggedness of the gun gate which has always been one of the question marks in the past on on i would say on on how rugged and robust is a, an emote gun transistor
1: so, the, the performance uh, of power systems has increased thanks to wide band gap se- semiconductors, uh, in particular, Gallium nitride in, in your case, but also to different, as you mentioned, integration techniques related to system module, but also uh, reducing uh, the cost of, of components. Talking about uh, reliability, how do we assess quality and reliability, in particular for specific markets, such as uh, uh, consumer, automotive, maybe? Uh, do where failure rates uh, are so in the parts per billion range are required so I think that there's there's a matter um,
4: we have to discuss about data but also about perception so there's still the perception in the industry that GAN is somehow less reliable than silicon and silicon carbide and I think that us together with our fellow competitors we have demonstrated already that basically GAN is as reliable as incumbent technologies just to give you um, a, a small example in, in the past one of my customers who were saying well when I was trying to to run my system qualification with a super junction MOSFET uh, and bringing it to the limit together with the system typically the power MOSFET was the, the first to fail now the GAN transistor is unbreakable passives will fail first and there is no way that we can actually destroy your device that is capable for more than 1,000 volts breakdown voltage. Um, The the real question is, of course, long-term reliability. And long-term reliability um, relies on, um, I mean, compelling lifetime models uh, on, on the way we can project the PPM Um, over the lifetime of of a device in a given application. And that is where, of course, we are um, discussing with customers and demonstrating that um, GAN is definitely not less reliable than than, um, other technologies. It's a matter, as I said, of breaking the, the wall of the wrong perception But everybody's doing, I would say, quite a good job to make it happen. And the market dimension, the market size is uh, growing more than 50% Kager is demonstrating that. In the low-power domain, that is happening. I mean, we all see that the market is rapidly uh, picking up, but it's happening also in the industrial domain, in server, telecom, solar, and later on in automotive. I'm one of the believers that GAN will be... uh, a fierce challenger of silicon carbide in automotive not only 650 volts but also above that that voltage and so um, it's a matter of time of course we we have some an offset in terms of maturity and uh, the, the the entire supply chain shall be automotive level but it's just a matter of time and to be honest gun is still to order magnitude from its theoretical limit. So what you see today is just a fraction of what you will be able to see tomorrow and the day after tomorrow. Um, So I think that that the reliability topic has been correctly addressed by many. It's a matter of time, but it's coming quite rapidly. Thank you, Andrea. See you next time. Thank you, Maurizio. It was a pleasure. Bye-bye.
1: Hi, Carmen. How are you?
4: I'm good. How about yourself?
5: I'm
1: fine, thank you. So, how is going, Abig?
5: Oh, very, very well so far. I truly enjoy uh, coming here to see what's going on in the world of energy and power. So it's been it's been great.
1: So a lot of topics, uh, wide band gap semiconductors in particular. So gallium you know, nitride and silicon carbide. Tell me your point of view about uh, wide band gap. Well,
5: I mean, I think it's an exciting time to be in this field. Quite uh, simply put, if you look at the last few decades, it's been very, very silicon-centric. We don't necessarily move away from silicon to do any kind of power conversion or power delivery, and now that's beginning to change. Simply because of the needs uh, driven by efficiency, power density, these fundamental vectors in this particular marketplace, we're now moving to third-gen semiconductors. That's basically gallium nitride, which is very exciting to us, and then silicon carbide and other, other uh, you know technologies like that so we're seeing a paradigm shift and it's very exciting
1: so um a topic that uh, i would like to talk with you and have your your company is about energy so we are seeing a lot of uh, transformation revolution for for energy so w- what's next what are the the challenges from uh, renewable energies uh, solar energy storage and
5: others I think the the most exciting thing about this market is the way it is actually exploding on us, right, in the sense of when I look at high-voltage technologies and power delivery technologies, one of the areas that is most exciting to me is actually alternative energy, and that includes solar, geothermal, uh, wind, for example, but also, more importantly, associated elements that are necessary, right, energy storage, for example. And these areas are going to become more and more and more important as we get to a more sustainable future. Future, uh, there is no way to do do that transition without actually getting uh, significantly more entrenched in these technologies. So I'm beginning to see that across the board in uh, in, in multiple areas. Right, it's not just a question of very large string inverters, for example. It's coming down to home inverters, offices, how we actually start putting batteries in homes and how we even, for example, start thinking of our cars as an energy storage element, right? Much Not just something that does mobility, but also an energy storage element itself. So the market is transforming faster than we can actually catch up in some ways. And that is exciting.
1: And also because uh, there is uh, a new electrification with electric vehicles that need to, to share the, So we need a revolution in terms of grid because we need to compensate the next charging stations.
5: Exactly. I mean, the grid is no longer going to be this monolithic structure with the generation points being one or two things, right? It's becoming a little bit more of a distributed grid, and these are being driven by alternate energy sources like solar. So the the, the points in the grid where energy is actually generated is no longer just, I don't know, a hydroelectric dam, for example, or a coal power plant. It basically is wherever you generate it, wherever you have solar panels on your house, for example, that becomes a generation point. Also, just like you mentioned, when you have 100 kilowatt hours of available energy in a car, for example, that also starts changing the nature of the grid itself. So fundamentally, the grid is not becoming this monolithic thing where you have very singular points of generation of energy, that is becoming very distributed. Where you generate energy on the grid is becoming distributed, and that is also another opportunity for things like, how do you start looking at security of the grid, for example? Single point failures are going to become less important as this process happens, and I think this will accelerate more and
1: more and more into a near future. Thank
5: you, kanan Enjoy Epic. Thank you very much. Always a
6: pleasure talking to you. Hi, Satya. How are you? Good Mauricio. it's nice to meet you again uh, in this uh, APEC. Yeah, good Good to see you. How is going APEC and what are your uh, expectations from your business? Uh, APEC, uh, uh, year over year I see here and uh, the um, especially my industry where the gallium Nitride is uh, there, every company has entered into that and I was so happy to see that in uh, APEC major companies are uh, acquiring uh, pure gan companies and uh, even more investment is going into gan development good so you
1: are working on uh, new gan uh, epitaxy wafer uh, gallium nitride GAN has uh, uh, become the de facto material in the new genera- third generation of, semi- of semiconductors so making GAN wafers in the quality that you need and the thermal uh, resistance and other mm, elements is an uh, open question, it's, uh, it's important also, uh, so which are uh, uh, this question? what are you offering to the market uh, uh, challenges?
6: yeah, the Uh, Thermal conductivity and uh, uh, heat dissipation is extremely important for making the best uh, GAN devices and uh, uh, material plays a big role in that and uh, defect density increase uh, will uh, cause a lot of heat trap. And uh, what we are trying to do uh, in solving that problem in FSB is uh, by remote epitaxy we grow a very thin layer eliminating all the transitional layers and uh, that can be transferred onto uh, any heat sink material, uh, insulators, so that way we are able to come up with the solutions which can be uh, like, you know, order of magnitude, much better heat dissipation uh, uh, solutions in the uh, device. So it can be on the diamond. Uh, substrate or it can be on uh, any other aluminum nitrate or any other uh, uh, substrates which are out there we are able to transfer and show the uh, improvement of uh, uh, heat dissipation in that area so so those are uh, the areas where we have uh, uh, solutions which people are uh, doing the uh, characterization and uh, checking that uh, quality and uh, the uh, dissipation they are calculating and uh, it is much better than uh, the existing solutions which are out there uh, like uh, uh, all around uh, 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 solutions which they have for uh, heat dissipation uh, over the uh, top and uh, at the substrate level and those things are not giving as much uh, benefits like uh, what solutions we have so. Yeah,
1: indeed, indeed there is an advantage of GAN that cannot be, cannot, cannot be found matched with, with silicon that is the ability to integrate power devices with signal and digital yeah. uh, devices so a question on uh, further improving materials cost impact by using a 200 millimeter GAN on silicon instead of the current 6-inch uh, wafers that will be on the roadmap
6: of some companies so what, uh, what about it? Uh, we have uh, we have already started the uh, remote epitaxy on uh, three inch and four inch uh, s- silicon carbide wafers, and uh, we are also in the process of uh, completing the six inch uh, uh, epitaxy using uh, remote epitaxy, and uh, that uh, when it is transferred onto the six inch uh, silicon wafers, mm-hmm. it will be uh, extremely. Uh, good quality with uh, heat dissipation; uh, they can go for uh, uh, higher power uh, solutions using that. So that is uh, that is the focus. Like we are expanding our uh, uh, wafers to be much larger. And another advantage of, of uh, our uh, uh, remote epitaxy and uh, liftoff, off two two D layer transfer, uh, you can uh, tile the. Uh, gallium nitrate EP onto any uh, surface. So if you have even 12-inch, you can transfer them uh, with uh, uh, just the lift off and transfer. Then uh, there is no limit on uh, what size wafers you want to process. So that is how we are able to uh, expand to larger device areas, uh, larger wafer areas, so that you can uh, use the -the state-of-the-art technologies for the uh, making of devices. And the last one, Satya, what about reliability in Gan? The reliability is basically based on how much testing has been done, and how many devices are out there, and nobody has seen the life of Gan so far. But there are parameters which certainly will help. If you improve those parameters, you certainly increase the reliability of the uh, devices. So in in that case, uh, basically getting the uh, device material quality and uh, uh, device structures, that is where the reliability uh, is there and uh, defect density has to be reduced so that uh, uh, it does not creep into the devices and you are able to uh, make the better device. So reliability is uh, Again, based on the material quality and uh, the device structure, how do you make it. So that's what we are doing. Okay. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Enjoy Epic. Thank you. Thank you for uh, uh, this opportunity, Mauricio, and uh, we will be in touch. Thank you.
1: Hi, Vernon. How are you?
6: I'm well. Thank you, Mauricio. How are you?
1: <laughs> I'm fine. Good to see you. How is going, Epic? What are your uh, expectations from your business?
7: Uh, I think APEC is going uh, very well. I think if you look at the energy and the customer excitement, I think we're at a phase now where many, many customers have devices that have been qualified, that have been working on the qualification, are now to the next step uh, to move those devices into high-volume production. Clearly, big drivers, uh, electric vehicles, infrastructure, industrial is really gearing up. And so for us right now, Many customers that have been in certain phases of design um, are now moving into full production. Obviously, there's many, many customers that are in full production, but I think there's this next wave you feel here during APEC that uh, you know people continue to get excited. Last year, people COVID was still a little play in there, but this year, you know the halls are full, people are excited, and I think business, uh, everybody's business doors are open for business.
1: So. A major concern uh, regarding similar byte power device reliability is the shifting of the threshold voltage, as, uh, as you know. Uh, so, burn testing is uh, essential to detect failures uh, in uh, semiconductor devices uh, and uh, offer increasing the reliability of component. So, what are the challenges about testing? I think there's two things. Um, I think, first of all, we have to talk about the change
7: in the market dynamics. And the first thing to think about market dynamics, silicon carbide for many, many years has been put in singulated package and die. And if I have a single die, right, and I'm turning the single die on, the voltage threshold, and you could argue even the drift may not have been as critical, right? Because that is a single unit, I'm, I'm, I'm standing alone, I'm operating independently. What made the change in the industry is the fact that modules now are prevalent right? Whether modules go into EV, onboard chargers, or even industrial motors, right, with the different phases, you are now putting multiple die into a module or package. This is where voltage threshold becomes extremely critical, right? Because if one device turns on sooner than the other, there's a current surge in that device, and that device gets stressed more and more over time. So the challenge with V threshold is A, determining the voltage threshold of that device, right? And B, the second part of that is having the devices get to a point in their life during the burn-in stress for us is where does that threshold become, you know, flat, linear, and doesn't continue in the curve. Those are challenges customers have. And for us, you know, having the ability to do this at Wafer enables us, for our customers, to be able to go through the stress of that Wafer die before they choose the selection of the parameters and sell it to their customer. So for us... um, You know that's what we're doing today for customers and i think as you saw in the papers and presentations by many companies it's a critical parameter and that shift to modules has been the real drive for doing this at wafer
1: so there is a lot of a change in, uh, in terms of electrification, electrification, everything, uh, energy uh, with electric vehicles. So the moving to 800 volt will enable uh, silicon carbide more, even more. Yes. So how much performance can be gained from uh, by using silicon carbide, not only in uh, electric vehicles, but in energy trends? What about cost and uh, the next with the 200 millimeter substrate that should bring a reduction in terms of cost?
7: So I think there's two things. One, clearly silicon carbide, and, and there's been many a companies. Um, device companies, system companies, automotive companies that talk about it, when you look at the overall bomb of a car, you when you include the cooling and the mechanicals and everything, silicon carbide is clearly has an advantage, right? Um, even at some conferences, some of the larger companies are talking about, you know, does it do a 10% increase in, or efficiency increase? And, you know, that 10% efficiency, I've heard some companies, I think you could save 27 terawatts around the world just by switching to silicon carbide. So the effects of silicon carbide are known. People have different ways to measure it. Um, and so I think that piece the world has acknowledged. The second piece question you asked is about 200. The 200 millimeter one becomes very complex. And I think there was like, two complex areas in there, uh, which could be for its own podcast discussion. Number one, the 200 millimeter, right, from a, from a simple standpoint of, uh, purities and yield are higher from a bull. Number one. Number two. Remember, when you go to a two hundred millimeter, the thickness of the the thickness of the individual wafer is thicker. So, if you take a look at the diameter and the time and the thickness, your cost now for an eight hundred or sorry for a two hundred millimeter wafer is substantially higher, right? So again, and, and there's different companies with different models out there. But right now, from the perspective we see, the 8-inch will be more expensive. A year, a year and a half ago, Wolfspeed had stated it at conferences, right? Uh, at Ice Cream, that, you know, don't expect the 8-inch with 200 millimeter wafer to be uh, lower cost. And right now, all indications by companies publishing, it will not be there, right? Um, so I think the debate now many people have is, you know six inch 150 millimeter wafer will probably exist longer than most people think just because the infrastructure is there right there's more people growing bulls at 150 versus 200 because the number comes down substantially um so we'll see i mean i for us there's other analysts that track that market but generally i think that's the
8: feel we see thank you vernon no problem you're welcome hi brad how are you hi Maurizio. I'm doing great. How
1: are you? I'm fine. Good to see you. Good to meet you. So, how is going uh, uh, this uh, conference uh, from uh, IEEE point of view?
8: Oh, the IEEE APEC conference is great. And to be honest, we didn't know what to expect because it's really our first fully attended in-person conference after COVID. And uh, the papers and all the work were done while during the COVID uh, pandemic. And we just didn't know what to expect, but we're... We're actually breaking records in attendance right now compared to pre-COVID. I think about 4,500 uh, attendees, maybe even more, uh, but that was a few days ago, the last, and that's that's better than we had like in 2018 or 2019 before COVID. So it's pretty exciting. Uh, we're very happy and we're relieved that you know because it's an expensive conference to put on, but. Lots of uh, interconnections and networking we can see. The exhibit hall is completely full. Uh, great talks and uh, just a relief, but we're, it's excited. Power Electronics is back. Yeah, it's back. So, a lot of topics, um, electric vehicles,
1: uh, wide band gaps, semiconductors, um, electrification is everything. So, tell me your comment. Uh, what do you think from your point of view? Also, because uh, Power Electronics is very important also from climate change point
8: of view, I guess. So tell me also which are your activities. So, of course, the IEEE Power Electronics Society, which I'm the president of, is active in all of them. We're just trying to use power electronics to improve society. And what we're seeing here, of course, is the impact in climate change. And uh, I think what's exciting is wide band gap is is actually starting to get into products. Um, People are are, companies are really comfortable, especially with silicon carbide, with the reliability now. And um, because of because of that. Probably we're beginning to see the voltages on the buses rise to go higher and higher, which is enabling higher efficiency. Um, So we're making an impact on climate change. Um, The other thing I think is pretty exciting is that young people nowadays are really getting involved in power electronics because of the applications. It's one thing for us to to design a circuit and only look at the circuit level. But power electronics, they know, is having societal impact because there's electric vehicles that everybody is aware of that that are being enabled by the power electronics. uh, Battery energy management, which is not just electric vehicles, uh, utility grid energy storage. but also we're we're seeing uh, exciting applications uh, in uh, in um, like electric airplanes, robotics and power supplies. Uh, and then of course, renewable energy. Uh, and all these the young people really um, have high impact. So they they just love it. And, uh, you know, my classes, for example, at Northeastern University um, are absolutely filled very quickly because uh, the field of power electronics is just becoming a very hot thing. And then we see how that leads into um, industry applications and a good job market for them as well. We need uh, a lot of engineers, but power, not computer science. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's the thing. If you look at the universities... um, Power electronics uh, engineers have no trouble finding a job because everybody's computers, computers, computers. And the, the, there's probably, even in the bad economy, we were seeing two job offers for every power electronics engineer because no one knew how to design a circuit. So uh, it's definitely a need for it. Yeah. Thank you, Brad. It's my pleasure
1: thank you all for being part of the power electronics family it was great to see you again at APEC 2023 and collect a lot of information which you will find on powerelectronicsnews.com it is a privilege to speak with today's most influential industrial leaders in power electronics who work hard and invest heavily to uphold the honor of power electronics while also making significant contributions to the technology Congratulations to all, see you soon at PCIM 2023, stay tuned. That brings us to the end of this episode, stay tuned with more news and technical aspects about Power Electronics. If you are listening to this on the podcast page at eetimes.com or powerelectronicsnews.com, links to articles on topics we have discussed are shown in this page. Power Up is brought to you by Aspencore Media. The host is Maurizio Di Paolo Emilio, and the producer is James Eid. Thank you everyone for listening. See you next episode. Stay tuned.